Hello, and welcome to the Tech Disruptors podcast. In this series, we speak with CEOs and senior executives about their views on disruption and how it's driving their decision-making and strategy. My name is John Butler. I am the senior telecom analyst in Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's research arm, and I'm delighted to have Kyle Milady with us today, who is CEO of Verizon's Business Group. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you join us today to talk about 5G enterprise applications and particularly private networks and mobile edge compute. They've both been topics of great interest to industry watchers and the investment community and an area that you're focused on at Verizon. And I thought we could start with some thoughts from you on the 5G enterprise application segment overall. I I think it's fair to say it's been slower to evolve than everyone first thought. I'd love to hear your thoughts on where we are now and and how does the uh, landscape look perhaps three to five years out. Hey John, first thank you for having having us, and uh, yeah, I do I do like this subject, so um, uh, I appreciate you bringing me on to talk about it. So, hey, in terms of uh, the five G adoption, especially for enterprises, um, you know there was absolutely a lot of hype to start with, but I don't think that's something that uh, we bought into here at Verizon. We know it takes a while when you're when you're putting disruptive technologies out there. It takes a while for people to a understand them and then b understand how they're going to apply it to solve whatever particular solution they have. Um, and when I when I think about five G solutions for enterprise, one that's going very very well for us right now is actually fixed wireless access. So being able to the last mile of connectivity to somebody's business, being able to supply that instead of a copper or fiber uh, delivery mechanism, we can do it over the air, which adds a whole bunch of uh, flexibility for for enterprises. And we're seeing great uptake on that. But I think what you're referring to is more as the applications that might be riding on on 5G and specifically uh, 5G private networks. So um, I think this is, you know, sure, I'd like to have seen it uh, percolate and go quicker. But we're just in the phase right now where people are understanding what the technology can do for their particular business. And then you know, what's the value prop and what's, uh, how, how does it help them either save money or drive revenue or the like? So we have a bunch of wins and a bunch of um, proof of concepts going as well as some commercial deployments. So we're in the early stages of it. And I do believe that, um, that the, the marriage of private networks, fi- private 5G networks that uh, CIOs can manage themselves and marry up with our wide area network and give them a lot of control there's a ton of use cases out there that will uh, that will help them really move their businesses forward. So um, it's early days, but I'd also point out that when we put out 5G, listen, I, I've been around forever. Uh, so I've been around for all the Gs. And when we did 4G, there wasn't a, a uh, you know, a killer enterprise application either. And it took a while for the technology to soak in, to burn in. And it also took time for other, I'd say, ancillary technologies to come around uh, to to add to the capabilities of the wireless network, and then and then then there you go. Then we have the the iPhone, and everybody now thinks the iPhone is around forever. Uh, smartphones are around forever, but it took a lot of other technologies to come to play before the iPhone and the app culture as we know it today um, really started taking off. The same thing. There. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think people tend to overestimate the near term impact of a new technology, and then underestimate. 
uh, its long-term impact. And I forget who said that, but I, I love that, that uh, phrase because it really is true. And I thought, you know, as I look at Verizon, it seems like you're gaining uh, good early traction in private networks. And I, I was hoping you could just give our listeners a sense of what a typical deployment looks like. Because I hear a lot about private networks, but there's no real definition around what it, what it offers customers. And I think a lot of people come away with the question of how does it really differ from a public network or private Wi-Fi networks? Why would customers choose a private 5G network versus these other options? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and that's what we are actually working on and searching for too. But what we're finding is the technology, we consider it more like a platform and it, became, and it can be used in many, many different ways. And that's what actually we're seeing across our customer base of the folks using us. The, the easiest uh, way for me to describe it is almost, you know, it really with one of the deployments we have going on right now. So one of our, our largest uh, deployments is with the NFL and it's a private 5G network that allows the coaches to communicate with each other over the headsets. And we, we worked with the NFL on that for a few years, and it modernizes the communication between the coach to coach. And it brings a lot more resiliency, reliability, uh, fidelity. Uh, and that's really, those are the currencies that the NFL was looking for. So what it is is a private network. Nobody else can get on it, only the, the NFL and the coaches. Uh, it can't get interfered with by you know the other tens of thousands of folks in the stadium. And it allows the NFL to manage their communications in a way that they uh, that they've defined. So that's one example of a, of a private network. So, if I think about a corporation, would it be possible for, say, workers to be connected to the network in the office building and then walk out and head home and still be on that network? Well, what it would be that's exactly that is absolutely one of the use cases so that we see and we're testing right now with some customers. And that's what I mean on the LAN. So in the, you know, the customer has a place of work that could be private 5G network inside of their uh, either buildings or campuses. And the CIO can control all of the devices on that network. Then when a customer goes out of that private network, it can come onto our wide area network, the overall 5G, Verizon's 5G network, and they'll be able to carry those same attributes and profiles and, um, and settings with them onto the Verizon wide network. So it gives, it gives a lot more control to a corporation on what their devices can and can't do. And as you know, security's top of mind for all CEOs and businesses these days. There's not one boardroom you go into, they're not talking about security. And this gives uh, uh, the ability to add extra security and really uh, the ability to manage each device per device and uh, really helps your, your security profile. So we absolutely see that happening right now. Um, but that's that one's more for, I think, IT, traditional IT use cases. We also see it used for back of the house operations. And that's really where we're seeing the traction right now. So if you use that same corporation, they have a private 5G in their office, but they also have a private 5G in their manufacturing facility. They can use the private 5G along with, uh, you know, computer vision type technology to monitor their production lines. And it allows them to be much more efficient and get more yield out of their production lines because they can find a defect right away using computer vision, uh, which is an application that would ride on the private 5G network. So. Got it. 
there's multiple, multiple use cases here. And there's multiple themes on, on, uh, on this. Got it. And I'm, I'm wondering for Verizon and, or for any carrier, how, what the revenue model looks like. Are you charging for bandwidth, managed services to set it up and operate the network or both? You know, John, that's a, it's a great question because that's we're we're still figuring out the business model to a certain extent. There's there's one side of the kind of spectrum where, listen, we just do like telcos do. Come to us. We'll sell you a uh, we'll sell you the kit. We'll we'll engineer it. We'll design it. We'll put it in, you know, and then then you go off and manage it on your own or we manage it for you. But I think the more interesting thing is working with others in the ecosystem to provide a kind of a solution set, right? So what is the enterprise looking to solve and how can we bring this platform and technology to bear with other things like, you know, private AI, computer vision, other types of digital kind of tools that can help a business be much more effective. So I think that's where we'd, we'd, we'd rather play in that area. Uh, but that takes more development, ecosystem development, and what are the real um, good productivity applications that would ride on top of it to make a difference. So so right now, it's kind of we're doing proof of concepts, we're proving out the technology, and at the same time, we're working on what a business model will be. Got it. And then, you know, I've been covering telecom for years now, and it's interesting. I, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where now in 5G, and particularly in, in next-gen 5G enterprise apps, it's getting to be crowded. You know, we're seeing tower companies, content delivery companies, uh, hyperscale providers hopping on, into some of these markets. And I'm wondering how Verizon plans to stand apart from the competition in private networks as, as the market evolves. Yeah, I think uh, it's really quite simple, actually. And it's the same thing we think about uh, uh, mobile edge compute. We kind of think private networks and mobile edge compute kind of together because they can be put together to drive new and interesting use cases. And in that case, the hyperscalers are our partner, right? So they, their their workflows are very well known by by all CIOs. And that's why we've worked with all the big guys like AWS and, and Google and Azure. So we're basically a customer can come in and use their um, their tech stacks and then just have it run right on our network. So the answer is we actually run the network and putting the compute up against the network right at the edge where you can get the best performance is what we think people are going to need in the future. And really, as you know, everybody, you can't go to a meeting anymore, John, without somebody talking about Gen AI. We all know AI has been around for a long time, but now Gen AI has really piqued the interest of everybody. And I, I think as these kind of technologies start rolling out, the platforms we're building with, with 5G and Mech are really going to be... Uh, something that people are going to require. We, we, we've always bet on, you know, throughput, latency, and compute are currencies that our customers are going to need. And that's precisely what these platforms are going to deliver for them. Got it. I have a lot of questions about mobile edge compute. So we're going to switch gears to that in a moment. But before we do, I was on the third quarter earnings call, and it really jumped out to me that Hans Vestberg called out private networks as one of uh, three big avenues of growth for Verizon. And I was hoping if you could, you could give me a sense of when you think the contribution from private networks would begin to contribute more meaningfully. Are we looking two, three years out, or is it something we could expect perhaps sooner? Now, here's what, no, I, I expect that we'll start getting some, and 
Well, meaningful contribution also is relative, right? So a small business, a meaningful contribution could be a million bucks. Yeah. For us, that wouldn't, that really wouldn't do it. But <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm th- a couple of years, right? So I don't think, I don't think next year is the year for it. I think next year is the year where we're really understanding what the value levers are for our customers and really what we need to focus and then how, what business models will we wrap around this? And so I start seeing, I start seeing people understand the value of it, then adopting it, then deploying it. And so probably I'm thinking a year after we start seeing revenue and then, and then growing from there. And I also think it might be one of these things too, John, where, you know, some other technology or some other trend comes that really requires this type of platform and all it takes is one and then we're off to the races. And, um, um, you know, and that, that actually happened with 4G to some extent. And I think it could happen in the business market here. And also, um, I think there's new technology, there's new standards that are coming specifically in millimeter wave that will allow uh, these private networks to be more reliable than any telecom system that's ever been put on earth. And we, ultra reliable, like ultra reliable, ultra, ultra reliable. And um, those will be coming in the next couple of years as well, which just will add to the um, the capabilities of the technology. So the long story short, next year is still, you know, working with customers and really honing this thing in. And then I think we start seeing revenue uh, the following year. Got it. And then one last one, if I could, Kyle, on, on private networks. I'm wondering, you know, as I take a step back and I, I'm listening to all the telecoms talk about their business in 5G and how they see it evolving Again, private network seems to be rising above all the noise. Again, setting aside the fixed wireless access, which I think is is a more mature 5G uh, app. But um, mm-hmm. for enterprises specifically, do you think private networks could evolve as a killer app given the level of interest we're seeing now? Um, you know, I, I'd hate to say killer app, John, because I think I leave that term for usually consumer type products. Yeah. That, you know, but I do, I think this is going to be a really, really valuable tool for people who run enterprises and frankly, small businesses. Um, In my previous role, I ran our networks and I ran our IT organization. And there's, there's absolutely use cases that I would have loved to have specifically during COVID for private 5G networks. Um, But let me even tell you how it even scales down into small, medium business. We had a, uh, a customer, they're, they're a small, they're a small business. Um, they might have a total of 30 lines for us, um, phone lines, but they run a farm, they have a farm and they have people come in, you know, they, they grow pumpkins, what have you. And they, they, they bring people in for a few weeks and and there's a lot of people on their property buying, you know, playing games and buying pumpkins. And whenever that happened, the, the cell service would get degraded and they they couldn't, it it really wouldn't work well there. They couldn't put their back of office applications. They couldn't get their point of sale up and all those kind of things. So we put in a private network for them, um, a cheap and cheerful one. And we were able to fire up uh, all their point of sale and make a private network for them that all their private, all their point of sale could work really, really well. And then when customers came on, you know, people just coming onto the farm, those folks could use their phones too. So it's just not large enterprises that could really utilize this type of uh, technology and platform, small Small businesses can use it in the right uh, in the right way as well. So while I don't think <laughs> I would love to say there's a business kind of a, a, a business tool that we're providing that would be a killer app, 
Um, I do think the technology platform can scale, but it's a whole lot of different use cases. Got it. It's going to be interesting to watch to see how it evolves. I, I, my call is we get five years out, and I think the whole world, particularly on the enterprise side, is going to look a whole lot different thanks to uh, 5G. And part of that will be mobile edge compute. So I thought we could switch gears to that. It's an area, big area of interest for me, actually. And and I'm impressed with how Verizon, I think, has been a real pioneer in this area. And I'm wondering if you could give us a status update on the rollout of, of Mac in your network and some thoughts on the pace of its emergence maybe over the next three to yeah. five years. Yeah, so we were absolutely on the cutting edge of this. And uh, I'm really proud of the partnerships we build with the, our hyperscaler partners. We've been really co-developing this stuff together. And like I said, the idea was we weren't going to go out and try and recreate the wheel. Everybody understands how to use, you know, AWS workflow, Azure workflow. So we're just going to partner with these guys. We're really good at building networks. They're really good at this compute. And we've really done a lot of great innovation together to set this up. Now, this one is totally, where, where are the applications? What applications require this really high performance? And we, we break it down into two buckets. Once again, the, the big public, you know, public kind of applications that could benefit from it. And we've been testing and we've tried, we've tried some. We haven't had a ton of commercial success yet. But people use it, they like it. it, you know, what does the business model turn out to be there? So that one's that. On private though, on private, we see a lot more opportunity. Because once again, you can, you can, you can take your private mech, you marry it with a private 5G network, and you can basically build a standalone kind of all-encompassing network on your campus. And you can, if you're CIO, that means you can really, really manage your data because it's, it's basically private computing using all the cloud attributes, but you have more control about what goes up into the big cloud and then what stays on your campus. And you know, there's a lot of security type rules and, and things people have, not only the government forces upon businesses, but also rules that certain businesses has for themselves and really having the um, understanding where your data is either in rest or in motion is going to become more of a more requirement and being able to have a system where you can have high performance and also understand where your network, where your data is at any given point, because it's sitting on-prem, I think is going to be powerful for, for a lot of people in the, in the future. I agree. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked a moment ago about private networks, which is as you look at the stack, so to speak, from hosting to analytics and compute to manage services, with Mac, I'm wondering where you make money there. What's, what does the revenue model look like? Yeah, I mean, right now it's been pretty straightforward. We're just copying what the, the web scalers have done with Mac, right? So it's just you're paying for compute. And uh, that's a well understood model. And we think a lot about this quite a bit because if we come up with some new model, that'll create confusion and maybe slow down adoption. So we, we like the model of kind of how the web scalers charge for compute now, and that's that's how we do it. But that's not to say, once again, both of these are tools that are, are a platform for other value-added services to, to, to be rendered. So I can definitely see a day where we have different mechanisms, where it might be a CapEx model. It might even be an OpEx model where you know, we put in the gear and are paid a monthly fee. So I think, I think all of that's open right now, and we'll be testing different models to see which one works in uh, which situations. 
I've always, I've always liked John, the, the thinking of just like people will use the technology differently, having different business models for charging is, is super important. Just having one model really constricts things. So we're going to be working hard to make sure we have a, uh, various options for our customers. I agree, Kyle. And, you know, I'm going to go back to what you just said a moment ago, which is, you know, customers know how the model works with Amazon and, and charging for cloud and compute. And so as I look at the competitive landscape in MEC in particular, even more so than private networks, we see the the tower companies making a play. I'm really seeing the content delivery networks like Akamai and Cloudflare pushing really hard on Mac and trying to snap up a lot of that business. And so I'm wondering what your proposition is to, to stand apart from those guys. And do you have the infrastructure that, say, Akamai does to have those um, remote points of presence, if you will, to uh, run the compute on the edge of the network. Yeah, I would I would say we probably have slightly different business models. Those guys are coming from more of a content delivery type play. I I think we're we're coming at it more from a, a an application computing play. And so I'm by, gonna I'm gonna interrupt you there for just yeah. a moment, which is they are actually coming at it from a compute play. No, they're trying. They they are coming up, but their history has been in. Their history has been in content delivery. I agree. And now they're now they're moving now they're moving into the compute side. Correct. But for us, but for us, if you look at our wireless network, we can get we can get way deeper and way closer to the edge than they can. And that once again, going back to we we are the owners of the network. I can put the compute in places that are the most economically efficient. And because listen, there's a there's also a trade off between capex and you know, utility here too, right? I don't, it's probably not cost effective for me to put um, uh, compute in every single cell site we have. But the way our network is architected, I could put it close to say 30 sites and do it in a really economical way and cover cover a nice area of space, or I can even go back. So we can continue in, in our deployment, we can kind of start small and grow out and get closer and closer to the edge as we go. So I think we have a, an edge in terms of what, how our network is set up and the owner's economics we have and all of the, you know, remember we have uh, most of our cell sites are on our own fiber and the like as well. Plus I have all of the, I have all of the real estate and I have all of the, the data centers with the, with, the, with the power you need, which is another important thing. So we have, in my, in my mind, we have an edge because we have all of the parts. So it's easier for us to put it together. And then we also have the technical relationships with the big, uh, the big compute guys. Also, you, finally, I'd say we also are the ones who have, who work with the end device uh, manufacturers and hold a lot of uh, influence in that area. And remember, these things are only going to be as good as the devices are that can be used on these networks. And we spend a lot of time and have a lot of influence in that ecosystem. And, you know, that's, 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 uh, those are the areas that we think we bring uh, greater value than some others. And also, Kyle, I'm wondering, have you given thought to using any of your central office switch locations or is a lot of that real estate now decommissioned? No. So um, in our central offices in the landline side, we haven't deployed any. But in our, our central office equivalents in the wireless network that, that we call them SAP sites, that's where we've, de- we've deployed 
we've, we've deployed our edge compute. Now, now, depending on how things go, I can even bring it closer and closer to the edge, depending on the usage or what the use cases need to be. So that's what I'm saying. Right now, we're in this kind of early period, and then we'll be able to grow um, as needed, as required, based on what the requirements are for, for the applications. Got it. And just, I'd love to get some clarification on this. So as cloud moves from centralized cloud at Amazon or Microsoft or Google and moves more out to the edge, at least for certain applications, it's hard to see how they sort of let that business go, so to speak. You know, it would seem to me that they would want ownership of the compute and storage side as it moves out to the edge. And so that puts you in a bit of a position where a coopetition with them as opposed to um, uh, uh, cooperation. And I'm wondering how, so far at least, in your work with them, you've been able to sort of define roles, if you will. Yeah, no, actually, that's that's a lot of the work that we did years ago um, and that we both, both sides got comfortable with because we both saw the value <clears throat> And if you talk to any any one of the uh, cloud providers, we work very, very closely with them. And then making sure we have a business model where we can, you know, listen, we each got to run our own business and go after certain business in our own way. But there's a lot of business we can do together. And that's what I would say it is. It, it's more I would say it's more cooperation at the moment than it is co-opetition. Um you know, we're, we're all working, like I said, we're using their tax stacks, we're bringing our great networks and coming together, we're better, we're better together than we are apart. And, and I think that's kind of the, you know, the thought on how we run this thing. Yeah. So, so, so far it hasn't been, it has not been an issue. I understand. And then I can't let you go without asking about fixed wireless access. Verizon has has really done well with the deployment there. I think it's run ahead of most people's expectations uh, on the enterprise side, I was wondering if you could just give us some color on, is it mostly a small business uh, uh, play for you, or are you seeing interest in the mid-market and even large enterprise, and and how you see the future evolving? There's a lot of concern around spectrum constraints, and yet you own, the, um, I believe it's nationwide licenses for the millimeter wave s- spectrum that you own. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Sure. So, I mean, listen, we're <clears throat> we're very happy with fixed wireless access. We think this is this has played out exactly like we would like we had hoped for and thought. And if you look at the wireless industry on a whole, uh, I believe the stat is between the whole wireless industry, we've taken basically all of the net additions for broadband in the market for the last few quarters. And that I think that'll just tell you the the demand for the service and customers' willingness to, to move off of providers they have and onto this new, this new service. And for business, we see it across the board, John. We see it small, medium business, all the way up to large enterprises, uh, banks who might use it for their, um, their locations or their ATMs. We see people using it as their primary connection. We see people using it for backup. Um, and I also start, I'm gonna, you're going to start seeing it displace some, you know, probably old copper services. So, you know, there's a lot of telecom carriers out around the United States, um, smaller carriers and larger carriers who still are on a lot of copper uh, services. And you know, uh, as, as for ESG and we need to do better for uh, energy and the environment, um, these, these things are kind of energy hogs. 
exactly kind of displacing the old copper and putting on a wireless fixed access is a is a no-brainer because you get a lot more efficiencies out of that so you'll you'll start seeing that be a play for fixed wireless access too so we we think the growth is is huge we have we and you're right john we do we have a ton of spectrum in our mid-band and then we also have our millimeter wave in all of the dense areas around the united states so we feel good in the position we have. And then also one thing that people forget about, we're always working on the technology that rides over the air. And getting more bits in the same amount of spectrum is something we've been at for 30 years. And we still feel we're going to be able to bring technology to get even more of the spectrum we have. The other good news is I'd say the government is now starting to, there was an announcement on Monday, the government's looking at more bands of spectrum uh, for the wireless industry. And I think that's kudos to the administration for doing that. Um, and, um, and they're going to be working to see if we can make more spectrum available for the industry to keep, uh, keep this going. So related to that, Kyle, I'm wondering if you could get a play of, uh, with spectrum reuse, if you deployed small cells, for example, in an urban area. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. The, um, we've done, we've actually put a lot of small cells in to our network. We have a lot of them. Uh, putting them in the right places are, is critical, right? So you make sure you get the usage. But this goes back to the, the early beginnings of the wireless industry and why it's called the cellular network. Uh, back then, they only had analog spectrum, and the only way to get additional capacity was to cell split. That, that method still works. Um, you know, it's not just always about new technology or getting new spectrum. You can actually cell split and get, uh, get more capacity too. So um, when things get tight, that's always a, a, a play in our playbook that we can use. Um, so, you know, so you have that as another opportunity if you're, if you're running low in capacity. Got it. And then one last one here, Kyle, if I could. IoT, massive IoT networks, uh, 5G uh, on the enterprise side, doesn't get a lot of attention yet. I really haven't heard much about deployments there. And um, I was wondering if you could just comment on where we are there, what you're hearing from customers, whether there's any interest there yet, and whether we have a future with massive IoT. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I'm glad you bring that up, John, because we do talk about a lot internal to Verizon. I don't get a lot of questions externally um, about it. It's, it's a, I, I can't quote numbers because I don't know a report in this fashion, but, you know, we have a pretty significant business in IoT. I think the, the thing about it is it's it's very low ARPU, but, you know, good margins because typically these devices don't tax our network, right? They're very low. They're very low bandwidth intensive, uh, but there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them, right? So they're low ARPU, uh, but they're out there and they're doing good things all the way from, you know, meter reading all the way to infotainment or what have you in, in automobiles, and all the way to farm equipment to tool tracking. There's so many different use cases for it. And we do a nice bit of business there. And I think we're in the area there. It's really more use case driven. And I do think the more things get digitized, the more AI comes to, comes to the front, the more enterprises and consumers want more data on how their world is working so they can optimize it. I think IoT just still has a ton of, it just has a ton of band, it just has a ton of runway left. Yeah, I agree with you. I've been surprised at, um, at the, the lack of attention there. Um, 
One thing that did come up during earnings season, and forgive me, I don't remember if it was Verizon or AT&T, but someone called out weakness in pricing on IoT. And it, and it wasn't clear whether that was sort of legacy IoT on on 4G networks or whether that was 5G. But I'm wondering what you're seeing, at least, on the pricing front. No, I, I, what, I'm, what I'm seeing on the pricing front is everybody uses IOT a little bit differently and they all have different devices and what they're trying to do. So I'm not, I'm not seeing weakness in that. I'm seeing, I'm seeing more um, development and deployment of the things we have that uh, our customers are finding useful. Um, I'm not, I'm not seeing that at all. Got it. Thank you so much. And Kyle, when we, as we wrap up here, I'm wondering if we missed anything in our conversation with regard to 5G Enterprise or Verizon's business segment that you'd like to share with the audience before we conclude. Uh, here's what I would just say. We, for, for those listeners who are using our service, I appreciate their business. And I can assure you that we, you know, we're on the front edge of, of technology, working with a lot of different partners, all on behalf of our customers. And we look forward to continuing to innovate and then uh, working with our customers to drive solutions that help their business. That's what we wake up for every day. Great. Thanks, Kyle Malady. It's been wonderful having you on this podcast. I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on the 5G enterprise market, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you, John. Kyle, thanks a million.